Savage CBD strives to help people by offering top quality, lab-tested, natural CBD at affordable pricing. And it really is affordable. Whether you're new to CBD or have been using it for years, you can always count on all-natural, hemp-derived CBD with the purest ingredients. Savage CBD carefully tests each batch to ensure quality, consistency, taste, and authenticity. They pride themselves on their transparency and believe that you should know exactly what goes into your favorite CBD products. With Savage CBD, you can choose from a range of premium CBD lotions, creams, tinctures, gummies, and so much more. When you look at their website, there are thousands of happy customers who've reported incredible results after using CBD to supplement their daily routine. Overall, Savage CBD's goal is to create the products that empower you to maintain your balanced lifestyle. Whether you need some extra shut-eye at night or you need to find some more calm throughout your day, you can count on Savage CBD to help you reach that goal. And guys, just for listening to this podcast, you can save 20% on your first purchase of CBD when you use our code BRAD20. So go ahead, my friends, start your CBD journey with Savage, and they'll be there to support you with every step of the way. Simply visit SavageCBD.com to redeem 20% off your first purchase of CBD by using code BRAD20 and see why thousands of people are using CBD. Now, Kelly, I've been a CBD user for a little while. I use it when I'm out on the disc golf course. It helps me relax. It's great with muscle aches and pains, and it's really kind of replaced ibuprofen for me. So uh, anybody that's listening to this, guys, check out Savage CBD. We thank them for being a supporter of the Noel Family Foundation, the Bradley's House podcast, and we hope you'll support them as well. Buenas tardes, señoras y señores. This is Gabo de Fayuca. Están escuchando... Aquí en Bradley's House Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back. Come on in, make yourself at home as you should when you're a guest in Bradley's house. I am your co-host, Jared Orr. She is the executive director of the Noel Family Foundation and our host, Ms. Kelly Noel. Kelly, how you doing tonight? I'm great. I'm Ms. Kelly Noel tonight, huh? That sounds super official. Well, you are super official. <laughs> Thank you. You're a big fucking deal. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm not, but thank you. And I appreciate you saying that very much. How are you doing, Jarrett? <sighs> I'm better than I deserve, Kelly, as I, mm. as I always say. Um, I know that it's, uh, it's always fun whenever we get a chance to get another episode of Bradley's House podcast out. We could talk to all of these amazing guests. But Kelly, you've actually been, I mean, I don't want to say giddy, but like, you've been kind of excited. Giddy. You've yeah, been, that's fair. You've been you've been really excited all day and uh, and leading up to the scheduling of this one. Kelly, who's our house guest today? That is a, that is an absolutely fair assessment. So on my drive home from work today, which probably makes no sense since this is coming out first thing in the morning, but anyway, on my drive home from work, I was super stressed out because I had a crazy day and so I just started naming all the things I'm grateful for. And one of them was I'm so grateful for this podcast and for the guests that want to come on and the people who want to listen. And it just it absolutely just like reminded me how 
how amazingly blessed I feel that I get to talk with so many people whose music I listen to every day and who are such a big part of my life. And today is absolutely no exception. Um, I'm super excited to have with us today the vocalist and guitarist for Pacifier, Ted Bound. Ted, thank you so much for being with us today. Well, thanks for having me. It's wonderful to be here. I, I mean, it's no secret. I absolutely love your music. My kids have grown up on it. I was trying to remember the first time we ever saw you guys, and I'm pretty sure it was at the Constellation Room in Santa Ana. And if I'm not mistaken, I think we were there to see Ballyhoo, and some band called Pacifier was playing with them. And we were so blown away. <laughs> like, holy shit, like, you guys are so good. And, and that wow. just started this whole, like, journey into all your music dating back to your very first albums. And so my kids are super stoked that I'm talking with you. Of course, I'm really thrilled to be talking with you. Thank you very much for doing our show. You, you don't even know how well I remember that moment. The, the moment that, you know, the validation came through from, you know, a family member of one of the people that really turned me on to what I do musically, um, you know, coming up to me and saying, that was really great. Never heard of you before, but uh, I'm Kelly Noel. I'm Bradley's sister. And I was, I just, that night I was on cloud nine. You remember that? You know, if I felt validated, I absolutely remember that. You were with um, your, your son. Yeah. I have two of them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to remember which one. I think for sure my oldest one, maybe, maybe both of them. Yeah, and you told me that somebody had a sticker, a pacifier sticker on their car or something. <laughs> yes, I, yeah, my oldest son, I Trevor. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you, if you don't think I remember that, like, I grew up, I was a little skater punk when I was 12, and I listened to Sublime for 24 hours a day for, like, seven years straight. So you oh telling me gosh. that was probably one of the highlights of my personal life. Seriously. That is so amazing. Well, I have to tell you, a lot of times if you know, if I go somewhere and I and I feel like I'm supposed to say something like introduce myself or whatever, I don't always do, but if I feel like I do, I'll do it. And a lot of times I feel weird about it because I certainly don't don't do it for any kind of attention. But I just kind of learned that for some people it it's it's kind of a you know, a special thing. And so um, I, it makes me very happy to know that that mattered to you. It really does. Cause we just, we absolutely love your music and it's such a big part of our lives. And, um, I just think it's so cool to see it all kind of full circle that, you know, Brad's music was meaningful to you. Your music is meaningful to us. And, um, I just, I love this whole yeah. community. I think it's a beautiful thing. I do too. I'm very proud to be a part of the reggae rock community that was was created by bands like Sublime and Bad Brains and 311 and The Police. And, you know, it's yeah. we have to pay tribute to the people that came before us. And I, I feel like the festivals and, and all of the, uh, the record labels within the scene have done a really good job, you know, making sure that the young people coming into it understand that there were these bands before that really paved the way for us. Yes. And in fact, you mentioned festivals, Cali Roots did such an amazing thing during the pandemic when they had to cancel their festivals. They kind of shifted and started doing this whole, you know, recognizing our roots. And every week they were talking about a different artist. And I know we reposted that stuff on the Noel Family Foundation socials, but it's true. There's so much history and so much tradition and meaning behind so much of this music. And I think it's really great that people are starting to learn about it. 
It is. I, I'm actually, it's very, that, that whole concept is very meaningful to me personally right now, because for the last year, I've been working on a solo record for HR, Bad Brains. He just moved about <gasps> half an hour away from me. You're and uh, so we, we've been working on an album. We have a 10 song album that's in the final mix stage right now. And, mm. uh, you know, talk about a legend and somebody that people should know about and don't, you know, most people that right. I, I talk about it with, they're like, oh, Bad Brains, who's that? And, you know, they uh, just missed it. Ugh. They weren't into yeah. punk rock. They weren't into hardcore and they just missed it. But like, uh, you know, the, the true heads, the true heads know exactly what I'm talking about. And they're like, <laughs> are you serious? HR is recording yeah. in your house? Isn't it so much fun? Isn't it so much fun when you find one? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. It, it's an immediate connection with somebody because you know exactly like, oh, they can tolerate enough, you know, hardcore punk just to get to that one like chill reggae song and then right back to the hardcore punk. That's that's my guy or my, my girl. Like that's that's somebody I can chill with. And that's one of the things I think is so beautiful about this whole reggae rock community is that it does it it provides bridges to other artists so that everybody's interconnected. And um, there's such a, a willingness to acknowledge the roots of it all. And um, I think that's just a, such a beautiful thing. Now, you, the, the name Pacifier is actually a take on, on your roots as well, right? Sure. I mean, there, there's multiple meanings, I guess. Um, our, our roots, as far as like, you know, musical roots and getting into the reggae scene, of course, everybody starts out with Bob Marley. That's kind of like the, the 101 of the reggae <laughs> listening world. And then you kind of go beyond that. But I read the biography called Catch a Fire, which mm. is, has been updated several times throughout the last few decades. Um, and it's, um, it's called Catch a Fire. And it's about like all of Bob Marley's life. And it keeps getting updated every time the author, I, he, the name escapes me right now, the author. Uh, but I was reading that throughout like the end of high school. And then when I got into college and we started the band, um, we were trying to come up with names and we had a bunch of awful names. And then it just kind of popped in my head. I'm reading this book, Catch a Fire. And we're trying to take this fire that they're, you know, putting out and uh, and and pass it on to other people. So I mentioned Pacifier. And I think people at first, the people in the band were like, uh, you mean like the baby sucky thing? <laughs> <laughs> that was a, a, li a little bit of a, a setback oh, at first with the name. Yeah. And we came back to it. <laughs> we tried a bunch of other names and then we came back to it and we were like, Pacifier, that's actually pretty clever if we just put it all as one word and, you know, we'll, we'll go with that. And people responded to it well, so we, we kept the name. And, uh, you know, it's really taking from the roots and the things that we were influenced by before we were a band and passing it on to young generations and to people that may not know about these kinds of these things, these, these bands and stuff. Absolutely. So but, tell me about your influences. I'm guessing some reggae and rock and folk music. I mean, I hear it all in there. Yeah. Uh, I, my brothers are all like uh, eight, 10 and 12 years older than me. So I, it was a little bit different at, for me, I guess, as a kid, I had, I had brothers who were listening to bad brains and fishbone and, Red Hot Chili Peppers and, you know, anything your brothers listen to, especially older brothers, that's going to be like what's cool to you as a kid. So I was listening to that stuff and I was like taking, borrowing tapes from my brother and listen to him and my Walkman. And so I really, I got all of that influence from those bands early on. 
And then I kind of, I went to Jamaica when I was 12 and my mom told wow. me to bring um, like sports, sports jerseys or anything that was like of value that I could trade. Um, she had Smart. read in her Fodors. You remember the Fodors? Travel yes. Journals? The travel guides. <laughs> yeah. She had read that on the beach, you can trade for goods and services. Like if you want to get braids in your hair or something, you can trade the people, you know, a, a nice Jersey per se. That's what wow. I did. I traded a, a Troy Aikman Jersey for uh, Bob Marley uprising cassette tape, a Spaniel Benner cassette tape, which was a Sly and Robbie project back in the day. Oh, and uh, a belt, like one of those Rasta belts uh-huh. and a hat. And what a fucking steal. They're like, this is almost brand new. Oh my yeah, God. Right. I mean, I, you know, I got, I got a lifetime filled with reggae from that one purchase. So it was, it was, and it was a trade. It wasn't a purchase. It was a barter. So I felt really Ted, I'm not going to lie. Uh, but I, I was super and, hoping you got your hair braided. <laughs> no, you know what? I asked my mom <laughs> if I could get it dreaded and she was like, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> I was 12, but yeah. you know, there's 12 year olds <laughs> out there with dreads. All good. <laughs> Yeah. When did so you anyway, start singing I, and playing I, guitar? Well, uh, I guess high school would be when I started to actually try and put it all together. And, uh, you know, we had a bunch of different bands with my friends in high school. We, were, we had a Rage Against the Machine tribute band. And then mm. there was another band that was just like we kind of covered everything we liked. Funk and reggae and metal and everything in between. And... Uh, I just, I, I think um, I was a drummer at first. And then in one of my bands, the Rage Against the Machine band, the guy who was doing the Zach De La Roca thing was like, I don't feel comfortable doing this. I think you'd be better at this than me. And we wow. traded off. And so I started singing lead vocals and didn't have the confidence to do so until then. But when you're singing Rage Against the Machine and everybody's up, you know, jumping up saying, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. Like, <laughs> Love that, that song. It doesn't matter. Confidence goes out the window. It's just you're having a good time. <laughs> right. And so, you know, that kind of introduced me to it. And then, you know, I'm not going to lie. You, you, I learned all the, the Jack Johnson songs and the G-Love songs and the songs that all the girls in my class awesome. like. So that, Smart. Could, you know, go to parties <laughs> and play music and they would like me. Right. Without, you know, there was there was a, motiv- a motivation to uh, learning how to do it, I guess, but uh, it paid off. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Kelly, this is kind of cool. I'm I'm listening to this, and um, you know, obviously, Ted is a, a huge Sublime fan. He already mentioned it, and as he's telling the story, I think uh, you know, Brad had that trip with your dad, and that is really what kind of pump that reggae into him. And um, I actually just read a, an interview in um, Rolling Stone and Eric basically said that in the first band that they had Hogan's heroes, they would have like other people singing. And Eric was like, Hey, Brad, you're way better than these other jerk offs. You need to, <laughs> you need to be the one doing this. And then Brad started singing and, and, and taking it. So it's just kind of interesting. Interesting hearing how it was a, a similar path for you, Ted. Yeah, the more I learn about Bradley's life, and and I gotta admit, I, I don't I don't think I could say who actually let me watch it, but I've seen the um, the documentary that is about uh, Sublime that isn't out yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't. Even, you might want to edit that out. But anyway, no. um, it's okay. Only listen. I don't mind that it's out there, but. 
Uh, you just need to be ready for the two million emails of people asking to also see it. So, that's... no, I yeah, I, no, I actually don't have access to it. It was like a, a limited, like a one day kind of thing. And uh, you know, I, I know the Phillips brothers and all that, and and you know, it wasn't them who shared it with me. But um, what was I going to say about that? Because uh, there was a lot. <laughs> There was a lot of stuff. You're learning. You're life. learning about Bradley's life. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I, I'm I'm seeing. I do see a lot of parallels. Even though you know, I was influenced by their music since I was 12. I didn't know much about Bradley's life until later in my, my life. But when I look back, I feel like I do have. There are a lot of similarities. But going to the Caribbean when I was yeah. younger and gaining influence there. And then, you know, playing in, ba- in a bunch of different bands that did backyard parties yeah. first. And, uh, you know, that it, it was, uh, it, I feel like it's still sort of a, an upward hill for us. And I feel like with Sublime, they, they just kept hitting it, kept hitting it. And they were, they were about to be there. And, you know, I feel like Pacifier sometimes and this may be a negative thing but like I, sometimes i feel like past fire just we're, we're about to be there and we just haven't yeah. gotten there yet and it's like but but i enjoy the struggle i enjoy the you know being hungry and having something to strive for i feel like when you get to a certain point you get a little too comfortable and you're just like ah whatever and you just wing it but we put everything on the line every night we play a show and I think people see that and understand that. And I feel like as long as we're hungry and we still want this dream that we're after, then, you know, it'll, it'll continue to put out like that. I think that's huge. Cause I think so many people go into the industry, the music industry thinking that, you know, things will happen for them. And if it hasn't happened after three, four five years, they get frustrated and disappointed and they don't realize that so much of the success actually comes from, you know, playing in the smaller shows or, or, you know, to crowds that could give a shit who they are or, you know, all those right, things that, right. that really Absolutely. develop, yeah, develop your sound and develop your following and, and, you know, the people that are loyal to you and will come see you no matter where you're playing, what you're doing. I mean, that's the kind of thing I think that is really the hallmark of a, of a great band these days, especially in the reggae rock community, because it's not super mainstream. But if you can last as long as you guys have and have the following that you guys have, I think you should be super proud of that. Yeah, I was going to say, man, I, I feel like you've I, I feel like you're here, you know, and, and maybe you're not where you where you want to be necessarily and in, in what your mind is. But you guys have an incredible following. You've played some some big shows. You've toured with, you know, all of the bands. You uh, you've got millions of millions of views on youtube um i mean people you're here absolutely you're right i i I am super grateful for all of those things and please don't get me wrong i am super grateful for everything we've achieved as a band and you know it's i think it's the things you're right in in my mind it's the things that that i see other bands achieving that i would like to get to having a tour bus playing red rocks we've never played red rocks um Mm. you know playing amphitheaters uh, being a, a direct support band for one of these bigger bands in the scene, to be honest, you know, we haven't been uh, direct support for for Slightly Stupid other than like four shows. We haven't been direct support for Dirty Heads. We haven't been direct support for really any of the, the bigger bands other than Revolution in our scene. And I don't know if it's because we, we rock out too hard sometimes 
because I feel like the the you know <laughs> California reggae style tends to be like you know this softer chill reggae mm-hmm. thing, and then we come along and we harsh mellows. So <laughs> you know, I don't know. There's a lot of well. Like, <laughs> I was going to say that I was going to say that, that it's really tough. Like, I mean, realistically, if, if I was the manager of a band, other than the fact that you have an amazing following and you're going to sell tickets, but I don't know if I want you going on before my band. (laughs) That's a very good point. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just, I'm just being honest. It's people had some some performers that we've supported have said that exact thing to us like shit how how are we going to play now and right. that, you know, that's super <laughs> exciting for us to hear but you know it's it's we we there, there are still things it's great I think it's wonderful that there are still things that we are striving for that we're trying to achieve we just bought a new tour van and it's Ooh. better than any van we've ever had so in that regard we're we're moving on up congratulations. Yeah, when I when I spoke to you about doing this show, Kelly, I was actually sitting in front of the dealership in Charlotte waiting for paperwork <laughs> to go through, but I have it now. It's tagged and titled in my driveway. Awesome. Congrats. That's huge. That's a big deal. It is. We we've always had kind of a, a you know, we bought the the usedest of used vans we could cuz it was cheap. And now we we actually can afford to get something that is comfortable and will be safe and will tow our trailer up hills <laughs> safely. That, that's that's a good thing. Now, Ted, there, there's gonna be a there's gonna be a ton of pacifier fans that are gonna tune in to listen to this interview, and I want to circle back for a second here. Do you remember some of the names that you guys almost were? <laughs> well. Uh, yeah, I, I think, uh, Nick, our drummer got on the internet and searched for a, a band name generator and uh, yes, he, he found one and clicked just like generate. There was one button. It was like generate band name. And the name that came up was fetus fajitas. Oh, no. And I'm just, I was just like, no, no. That's, we're not that band at all. Like, yeah, but it's funny. People think it's funny. Like, it no. is fun. It's fun to say, but it's not going on a marquee. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. it's no, fun. And, like and Brad's band, Sloppy Seconds was fun, but you know, at <laughs> some point you gotta. <laughs> I so we um. I, have you ever heard of the rapper Roots Maneuva? No. Yes. <laughs> You're Maneuva, so much cooler than me. He's done a couple of collaborations with Charlie Tuna. He's a British rapper. Uh, I've been a fan of him since I was like eighteen. And that was around the time we started the band. And I suggested a lyric from one of his songs. And the when you take it out of the song and you, you don't know that it's from a rap song, it sounds like we're a jam band. So the, the lyric was Mystic Mindset. And it, it comes from mm. a line. It's like Mystic Mindset traveled at warp eight. And it was like <laughs> the coolest part of the song for me. But uh you know it we did it one show as mystic mindset and people are like uh so are you gonna cover fish or what (laughs) uh, Uh, we we went back to the drawing board and that's when we came up with the pass draw up the logo for fetus fajitas we're not not playing fucking fish oh my god and i want everybody to know that was a an internet random generated name we did not come up with that at all (laughs) 
but fetus fajitas is what the internet told us we should call our band. That is horrifying. So, so close, so close to being <laughs> fetus fajitas, but that's okay. Pacifier, I think it's, I think it's ended up working uh, okay for you guys. So I, you might want to stick with that one. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's, it's definitely different. When you look at it, it's, it, it's a cool. It's, um, I like that the A is symmetrically in the middle. And I think as we were all in art school at the time, so we looked at the word and we were like, there's a lot you can do. And we definitely grew up looking at, you know, drawing the Sublime logo on our notebooks in high school and stuff. So, like, Hmm. knowing that you have a name, a word that you can turn into really cool artwork. Yeah. yeah. Definitely helps. Yeah, it's got to look good on merch. Word, and we were like, we can do cool. Yeah, it does. It does. It's got to look good on. It's got to look good on merch. That's uh, that's for sure. Ted, when did you guys start the band? We started a band in, I want to say, February of 2003. And um, it was you and Nick, Savannah, right? Georgia. It was, it was Nick and I, and we had Nick's neighbor, Ed Robbins, playing bass. And we, um, we had Adam Willis, who was a classmate of ours at Savannah College of Art and Design, playing keys. And he actually ended up being in the band for the first eight years of the band. The bass player quit after a year and then we had another bass player and he quit. And then we got Will who's Nick's younger brother. Typical bass player. That worked out well. (laughs) Now everyone knows, everyone knows Ted that to play this music, you're either from Jamaica or Southern California. So what part of Southern California are you guys from now? (laughs) We're from Savannah, Georgia, California. (laughs) <laughs> there you go. Savannah, Georgia, California. I like it. I just that think it's amazing. A lot of people think, wait, Savannah, Georgia, and you play reggae? That's weird. But, you know, none of us are actually originally from Savannah. Uh, that's just where we went to college. And it was an art school. So, you know, everything was on the table. Are you originally from Maryland? I'm originally from Maryland. I moved to my hometown to be closer to my brother and my mom and my family around here. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I always tripped out on the fact that there was this amazing reggae rock band with kind of emphasis on rock, really, from Georgia. I mean, when I, when, when I first heard you guys, I, I was so blown away by the fact that you were from <laughs> such a foreign mm-hmm. land, such a far off place. Yeah. But, but really, I have not. I would love to. I've never had the pleasure. I strongly recommend it, and I have a long list of things you should do when you're there that I can send you in an email. So definitely Fabulous. plan a trip there, and I'll, I'll give you the list. Okay, I'm seriously making a note because I would love to visit Savannah. Ted's like, it's a, it's a great place. I got the fuck out of there, but you should go check it out. <laughs> Uh, I lived there for 13 years, man. I went to college for four years, and then I stayed there for nine years after that. So if that says anything, wow. you know, it, was, it was a beautiful place. And people don't realize it, but it's right near the beach. And I was surfing all throughout college. And, um, you know, it's it's actually a very kind of tropical place. There's palm trees everywhere, and uh, it's very laid back. And you can walk around the whole downtown with an open container. It's it's kind of like New Orleans. It's it's really cool. Isn't that where Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil takes place? It is, and that movie okay. definitely points out a lot of the the like quirkiness of Savannah. And some of those characters are real. 
I, okay, insane. so I haven't seen the movie yet, but I read the book recently, and seriously, it made me just want to hop on an airplane and go visit. Which I'm what sure the dark. whole shush. Well, I'm sure the whole city owes so much to that book as far as tourism and stuff. But oh, yeah, it really is like absolutely. a love letter to the they, town. They describe. I don't remember the author's name of that book, but he describes Savannah as uh, Casablanca on mescaline. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> great description. description john yeah. barrett by the way is the author that's, that's correct that's correct yeah no mm. it sounds like a fabulous place so um so you guys started the band in 2003 and but it was yeah. a few years after that when you when you put out your debut album right the self-titled yes so we were in college from i was in college from 2002 2004 or excuse me 2006 yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, the whole time we were in college, uh, both the keyboard player, Adam, and myself were in the sound design program at Savannah College of Art and Design. So we were working on our album throughout college and professors oh. who were coming to our shows and knew about our band were saying, hey, I know this is a production sound class, but if you just turn in songs you're working on, I'll, give, I'll grade you based on, you know, how good the song sounds. Nice. And we, we you know, that, that, I hope uh, nobody gets scared hears about that, but I, I won't name <laughs> the professors, but they were very, um, they, they, but, you know, what really they were doing was was facilitating our dream and telling us, if you have this this idea, just go for it for the next four years and build it until you get out of here and then go and give it to the world. And that's exactly what we did. So we, we ended up, um, I learned recording at school and then came home and set up a studio in my house in Savannah. And we recorded the first album in my attic in Savannah. What? And yeah. Yeah. So the whole first album was recorded and mixed by me in Savannah at my house. And we put that out in 2006 and then we immediately hit the road. We went on the road that entire summer and the fall after that. And we just, we decided to make it our full-time job after I was done with college. I think hitting the road is so key for for bands that are, are really trying to connect with their fans. So I think that's awesome you did that. Now, is that a lot harder now? I mean, 15 years later, you guys have, you know, families and commitments. And how hard is it hitting the road these days? Well, besides the pandemic, we'll get to that. Well, yeah, um, it, it's it's different because we definitely have more attachments now than we used to. Mm-hmm. We used to just be like, you know, leave, leave everything behind for two months and come back and just, you know, hang out for a week and then leave everything behind for two more months. And that was easy because we didn't have a lot to leave behind. Right. But you know, now we have uh, two of us are married. Nick and I are married and Nick just had a kid last year and mm. things are changing as far as like, you know, how we're, we're setting up tours. We're doing shorter legs so that Nick can get home for a little while and then come back um, we're doing, you know, I think we're not, we're not going to be doing anywhere Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday shows when we actually do get back out there for months at a time, because Nick's going to try and go home and be at home for the first couple of days. No, um, nice. I believe that's how slightly stupid does it. And, and that's like a model that we, you know, their business model overall is one to strive for, but, um, their touring model and we're not on their level, but as adults, we need to set limits with our work and our home life. So, um, you know, we, we are trying to do it a little bit more responsibly 
and we're trying to only hit the places where we know we're going to do well and not not do any shows where it's just kind of a filler date and we don't make mm. any money and we end up spending more money on gas and hotels and all that so it's uh we're we're just touring smarter now than harder smarter than harder <laughs> Yeah, no, that's good. That's very good. So at what point did Nick's brother join you guys on bass? So in 2006, right when we released the album, uh, he was graduating from high school, the same time I was graduating from college. Nick graduated a year before me. And uh, so he was raring to go. He had a, a crap job for like a year and was just like, I, I need to get out of here. Let's go. Um, but Wasn't he in we, another state? Nick? Yeah. Uh, no, oh, Will. Will. Will, yes. So Will was in in Indiana where they grew up right. in Plymouth, Indiana. And he graduated high school and we were losing our previous bass player at the time. And we had a couple tryouts with some local guys and nothing was sticking. And I said, you know, what about your brother? He's good on like pretty much every instrument he touches. Maybe he'll play bass for us. And Nick was like, yeah, you know, I'm going to have to talk to my parents about that first because, you know, they want him to go to college. And Will did not have any desire to go to college. And, you know, I knowing Will, I don't think college would have challenged him enough. Will is somewhat of a genius. And I say that, you know, from an observ observation standpoint, like I've observed Will in the studio and in the music writing scenario. And he's just he's kind of. Uh, in touch with things that most people strive to be in touch with, I guess. But mm. he was that way when he was 16, 17 years old. And I said, you know, what better person to add to our band than your, your genius brother. And Nick was <laughs> like, yeah, so let me talk to my parents. And they were like, yeah, we want him to go to college, but he won't. So that would be great. Just make sure you take care of him on the road. And we did. And so he was 18 years old and he came out with us on the road and learned all of our songs before he got there. And wow. that summer was amazing. We wrote some songs that summer. And uh, it was just really cool to finally have another another songwriter, somebody who really understood songwriting right there next to me, like helping me develop music and stuff. And and our, our old keyboard player, Adam, was also a good songwriter. But now we had three of us in the band that were putting together songs um, that, you know, we there were, it felt like a collective effort. Awesome. Now, speaking of collective efforts, a couple of your albums were produced by Paul Leary, right? Our album Start From Scratch was produced by Paul, and that was another amazing highlight experience in my life, for sure. Oh, I'm sure. He's amazing. And, he, and of course, as I'm sure most people know, stories. yeah, he's worked with Sublime and Slightly Stupid mm -hmm. and all kinds of artists. And as well as, you know, being a member of the Butthole Surfers, he's just, which a lot of people are not familiar with, but maybe being from California, it was a bigger part. It's but a, It's sort of like an HR thing. It's like, yeah. if you're into that, you're like, whoa, that person. But if you're not, you're like, who? <laughs> the the very first... The very first autograph I ever purchased, uh, merch, I got a Record Store Day album uh, that was going to be autographed by Miguel. <clears throat> and uh, it showed up at my house and it said, To Jarrett, always listen to Butthole Surfers, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. Well, yeah. <laughs> And and you know what? It, that's almost impossible to do, to always listen to Butthole Surfers. That's, 
and that is difficult. They do in like Guantanamo Bay when they're trying to make people like confess <laughs> yeah. to stuff. It's tough to do it long term. It's true, <laughs> but never give up on them. I'm maybe sorry, is Paul, what he was. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. uh, Paul's very talented. He's done so much great work that obviously I'm leaving out. But that must have been an incredible experience working with him. It was. And, you know, on sort of on the topic of what we were just saying, it was really surprising to see the range of musicality that Paul has and the knowledge mm-hmm. that he has. Just, you know, before going into that, of course, I listened to a bunch of Butthole Surfers just so maybe I had something to talk about with right. him and stuff. And, um, you know, the his knowledge of music extends well beyond all the noise rock that they put out. And all of that was art. It was art rock. It was it was like uh, an installation. Their live performance was an installation art piece, in my opinion. And I understand that coming from the art school background. I understand that, you know, noise can be art and noise can be music. I I had uh, our keyboard player and I had a group in college called Bleeps or Music 2. And we just did a bunch (laughs) of digital uh, electronic stuff. (laughs) That's better than fetus fajitas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it was a side project. It's funny that you say that because my my dad, who's a uh, was a musician himself and a huge music fan, and whenever anyone talks about you know the the old guitar player debate, my dad, you know, people say, "Well, Jimi Hendrix, the best guitar player of all time." And my dad always used to say, "Jimi Hendrix made noise." better than anybody I've ever heard. I don't know if he's the best guitar player of all time, but he can make noise that, you know, so, and I always just like, what the fuck does that even mean? Like it's either good or not. Like it's, and as I got older and started to appreciate music more, I, I kind of understood that. Yeah. I mean, I understand it at the same time, you know, some of that noise, the hard, harmonics and the feedback that he's getting are actually you know in the chords of the songs and there is musicality to it and Jimi hendrix was one of the biggest innovators on you know guitar pedals and effects and i think tom morello is the next Jimi mm. hendrix as far as like innovation with a guitar i think that both those artists took the guitar and they said i can do a lot more than just strum this thing I can make a lot of noise with this thing. And they did. And, and they started, you know, Jimi Hendrix started a whole, you know, army of guitar players that were like, whoa, you can do that. That's oh, absolutely. Groundbreaking. Uh, groundbreaking. Yeah. So you guys added Mike on keys about 10 years ago, right? Yeah. We just celebrated Mike's 10 years with the band last year. Oh, and he, he was such a great addition to the band um our previous keyboard player that i spoke of before adam willis he decided that he didn't want to tour anymore so um he gave us some time to figure out a situation and so we met mike he was he came out to play with the expendables in chicago when we went on tour with pepper and the expendables in 2007 and we we met him backstage and hung out with him and then we saw him play with the expendables we were like man who is this guy so we looked at his YouTube and we saw that he had been putting out a bunch of like looper covers of bands in the genre. And that's how Expendables mm. found him and brought him out. And uh, I guess it was two years later, uh, 2010 or three years later, 2010, we found ourselves needing another keyboard player. And we were like, wait, remember that guy from Chicago? <laughs> And uh, we reached out to him and he actually was like, yeah, I, I don't really like my job. I'd love to get out of here. So uh, let's do it. 
and Perfect. he jumped on with us and you know that was I, Adam was a great keyboard player, but he had just started learning how to play keys when we started the band. So, you know, he was still developing as a keyboard player. I feel like that's fa- a fair assessment. I'm not saying he was bad, sure. but when when Mike took that position, it was like all of a sudden there's somebody who's in complete control of their instrument in mm. that position. And we can say, we can throw things, musical terms at him and he can just do it. So it, it became, it opened up a door of like, wow, we can now explore going into some deeper musical uh, fabrics here. We can weave some fabrics together that actually, you know, are very uh, comprehensive and the musicality, I think, took a step up when Mike joined the band. Yeah, such a great chemistry. So you guys covered greatest hits on the house that Bradley built and you did such a... Uh, um, unexpected twist on that song i think uh it really brought it to life in a whole different way which i love when a cover just makes you think about a song differently where did that all come from well you know like like we mentioned earlier we're from savannah georgia and Mm. uh we we did get a lot of influence while we were there from southern rock music and and folk music and if you if you kind of delve through our acoustic versions of things throughout time you'll notice that we do tend to turn every song into like a folky, like, <laughs> like a Southern folk. Thing. Yes. Yeah. So it's kind of like, it's kind of where we were coming from with that. We're like, let's just go ahead and throw the pacifier folk stamp on this one. And uh, yeah, that actually was one of my favorite songs growing up. Um, it was when Paul sent us that, that email saying, we want you guys to do greatest hits. I was like, man, I probably would have picked that one anyway. That's pretty crazy. Oh, I didn't uh, so, realize he suggested it for you. That was a great choice. Yeah, I think there was like two or three suggestions, and that was one of them. But I, nice. I really, I saw that one immediately and just like, yep, that's the one. <laughs> and uh, I, you know what? I, I feel like a bad fan because like I feel like most Sublime fans have Googled all the lyrics and know what everything is, but I didn't <laughs> know who Bert Suzanko was. And... <laughs> You know, it makes sense now that he's from the Ziggins. It's the Ziggins' yeah. greatest hits. I get it now. But, you know, I learned something doing this cover. I learned who, who Bert Suzanne is. That's awesome. Just like all Sublime Music, I think it's such a great window into other artists and other styles and other, you know, just other music. And so I think mm-hmm. it's it's very fitting that that allowed you to do that. Yeah, I, I think Sublime turned me on to so many different things. KRS-One, obviously, mm. um, you know, just uh, everything mentioned. And then, you know, further on in the Long Beach of All-Stars, that song DJs, mm-hmm. I think I've researched every single artist named in that song just because if one of my favorite artists listens to this artist, they must be good. I got to check them out. <laughs> that checks out. <laughs> I actually got into a physical altercation over the song DJs. It's a long story, but <laughs> what? Um, yeah, were you, I, I were you fighting for it or against it? All right, so well, we were actually both we were both fighting for it. 
Um, the argument broke out. I can, I, God, I can remember like it was yesterday, even though it was probably 18 years ago. Uh, argument breaks out about who is singing in DJs. I says, clearly Ross won. And, uh, my buddy says, there's no way. This is, this is Opie. Um, so we get into this huge thing and we get into this huge fight about it. And it went on forever because he thought it was Opie just like you do until the, beautiful days of the internet came on and the very first thing that i did i was like oh the internet wow look there's famous people that have social media ross one who is singing djs and he goes yeah that's that's me i'm i'm singing djs on the album i, went, I fucking i knew it yes i was like i knew it i immediately screenshot that and sent it to my friend and he was like dude i still think about this all the time and uh it was like this whole thing that so yeah blew it, my mind man yeah <laughs> Now yeah. you guys are talking totally about the Dub All-Star song, listen years. to DJs, right? Yes, yes. Okay. When you first said DJs, I'm like, wait, that's a Sublime oh, song. Oh, wait, are you talking about the Sublime <clears throat> song DJs? No. <clears throat> He's talking about the Dub All-Stars, right? Listen, listen to DJs. Jared? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think that's who he's talking about. Jarrett? Did we lose Jarrett? He got so fired up about that argument. Yes, yes. <laughs> Oh, yes. Is. No. It's it, yes. I don't. I don't know what. I, you had to walk yeah. I, no. Absolutely. Absolutely. The, I'm getting. I'm getting hot here. All right. Uh, no. Yeah. Absolutely. The All Stars version. And it was. Uh, it was. It was a big deal. And this. This went on forever. And literally to this day, I've got the uh, interaction between myself and uh, and and Ras. And it was literally like 2012 or 2013. And uh, it was like, yeah, it's me. Well, I'm learning something today. Thank you, Jarrett. I appreciate that. We're all about education on the Bradley's House podcast. I love it. So, of course, the big question on everyone's mind is how did how have you been surviving the pandemic? And I can somewhat answer that a little bit. I do remember one of the very first, I'm not sure what was the first, but it was one of the, when everybody started kind of live streaming as an alternative, you know, all of a sudden you couldn't perform. Right. And so a bunch of different artists started live streaming. Stream. Yeah, right. And I was like, I and fucking knew it. I was mm -hmm. loving it. I'm not going to lie. Like to be able to, cause I, I work a lot. So to be able to just come home and, and, you know, fire up the internet and, and listen to some of my favorite artists. And then that was really the first time that, that I'd ever kind of seen you, you know, talking except when we met. And it was just, it just provides such a, a more intimate window into artists to be able to, you know, hear these acoustic sets and all that kind of stuff. I absolutely loved it. But um, what were some it of does. the challenges for you? Well, satellite internet was one. <laughs> That's a big one. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, I tried to do as many live streams as I could. A lot of the time I ended up pre-recording a video and then sending it to whoever so they could mm. play it at whatever the live time was. But um, that that became a, a process in and of itself, taking up file space on my computer and me having to edit it all together and record right. it and all that. So, you know, that uh, not that I was doing much else anyway, but uh, um it, it just after it was cool for like six months and then after <laughs> about six months there was kind of like radio silence from a lot of people because right. they're just like you know i, I can't it, it just there's something about playing a song and then actually hearing the human reaction from right. the humans in the room after you play it and knowing that somebody heard you it, it's another thing to look at a screen and see people hitting the, the heart button and all that and <laughs> 
it's cool, but it's not the real thing. And after a while, I was just like, man, I miss playing shows. Sure. I mean, it's not yeah. sustainable, but it was, I think it was a really great way for a lot of us fans to be able to connect with artists, you know, because obviously totally. you, you guys were losing your livelihood, but, but more importantly, as fans, we're losing the opportunity to see live music. Not that that's more totally. important, but and we wanted totally to give our fans some, something live throughout the yes. year. And we did the live stream in November on my birthday. And that was a lot of fun. Like that was probably the coolest birthday mm. party I've ever had because we were streaming to, you know, thousands of fans on the internet and playing a live show and we had a full lighting rig and everything. It was great. Yeah, that's, it's got to present a whole host of other challenges that people watching don't even realize, you know, it seems like, Oh, this must be so much easier for you guys, but, <laughs> but I'm sure there's so much more that goes into it, but yeah, I, I can mean, say that one was up in Baltimore and we oh, had gosh. to drive two hours to get there and we had to do the setup and sound check just like any other show. And, yeah. um, you know, that one actually took some work. Uh, the other ones were just here in my house or like I said earlier at my mom's store, cause she has better internet. <laughs> and she closed around 7 p.m. And then I'd set up my gear in the store and do a live stream. All right. So I remember you talking about it on a live stream. And of course, we talked about it before the show. You live in an area where you have to use satellite internet. That's got to be a whole other host of challenges. <laughs> it is. There's, there's a little bit of a lag every time I do an interview or something. And it's just, you know, it, it, it's hit or miss. If it's cloudy, then my satellite internet is spotty. And wow. I've been told by the company that if it's raining in Salt Lake City, then my internet is going to be spotty because Salt Lake <laughs> City is where the satellite bounces off of, apparently. So, you know, he said, check the weather in Salt Lake City. If it's raining there, then you'll then that's your answer. No way. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, it's horrible. So I've signed up for, for Starlink, for SpaceX's, uh, you know, new internet. Mm. and i'm just waiting for the hardware i'm hoping that that's going to be a lot better but yes i live out in the middle of nowhere i'm about 15 minutes from like a town and wow. there are cornfields all around me and i love it all i hear when i go outside is bugs and birds and trees and oh. it's, it's a beautiful relaxing place to be that's i'm having anxiety nice. right now thinking about that <laughs> I, Sounds I'm amazing. I'm ready to move in with it's, Ted. Oh my God. There's no way. You're not I, into the country life. I do. I, Ted, if I need to be at 7 Eleven immediately, I can't. <laughs> like, I, I, if I want to order a pizza, it needs to be available at all times. I, I don't we like. Can't order anything. Wait, not even no. DoorDash? <laughs> we can't order anything. The, no. There's no delivery service that comes out here. Ted, wow. don't live there anymore. I don't understand <laughs> what's what's going like. I mean, I'm sure it's you know, hey, all this free space and it's great and you know it's wonderful. But like to me, I'm just thinking like, okay, so you cannot get chocolate milk at two o'clock in the morning. Your porn, <laughs> your your porn is glitchy. You can't get pizza delivered. I I don't know, dude. I don't know pizza. Here, I suppose. Here's the thing. The, the major difference for me is I've lived in cities since I was like 18 and Savannah mm -hmm. definitely had, you know, has a dirty underbelly, a lot of crime and St. Pete, not so much, but still a little bit of crime. 
and I used to sit on my front porch in both of those places and play the game. Was that a gunshot or a car backfiring? Oh, I do and, that often. You know, <laughs> yeah, see, now you're fucking talking. Now you're talking, man. And that's <laughs> why he that's lives on a farm. To, yeah. I get it. Well, I totally get it. No, but you know what? I couldn't get away from the gunshots. I still hear gunshots all the time, but I know that it's either target practice or they're hunting. I know nobody's <laughs> getting people. hurt. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's a big uh, difference. No, I get it. it having been raised in Southern California, I, I can appreciate getting away from it all. What about bears and wolves and and <laughs> ferocious no animals? That's and oh, yeah. so the, yeah, yeah, so they told Maryland. you. To keep keep drinking the Kool Aid, Ted. You don't know what's out there. <laughs> I heard that there has been a coyote spotted somewhere in Delaware, which is on the Eastern Shore uh, Peninsula. So that's you know only about ten fifteen miles from where I'm at. Coyotes aren't coyotes aren't really a threat. You grew up with three brothers. You could fuck a coyote out. Don't believe don't believe the hype that you see on like the the cartoons and shit. In real life, you fuck a coyote up. Okay, coyotes are are a real thing. Like that's scary. Oh, yeah, that's big. Yeah, coyotes take small dogs in my neighborhood. It's kind of horrific. I can also kick the shit out of a small dog. But even growing up, we had uh, dogs and cats that were eaten by coyotes. Very sad. Yikes. Yeah, it's hardcore. People don't realize how rough life can be in Orange County. (laughs) uh, I I hope that this coyote never comes around here because we have a 95-pound Great Dane pit bull. And he is white with black spots, sort of like (gasps) a blue dog, but bigger, bigger black spots. Oh my! Um, and, but he's he's a gentle giant. I don't know that he would hurt anything out here. He mm. I saw him go up to a possum a couple months ago and just <laughs> sniff it and walk away. <laughs> Possums are mean. He got off easy. Yeah, I've had to slap shot or excuse me, wrist shot, not slap shot. That would be abuse. But I wrist shotted gently with a hockey stick a possum off my front porch because it wouldn't leave. Yeah. No, that's a wrist shot, slap shot, whatever you got to do to get rid of that fucking possum. I don't, no possums, no raccoons, nothing with hands. I don't, that's okay. A a raccoon's got a fucking hand. A raccoon will grab onto your ears and latch onto your face like a cartoon cat. No. My wife loves raccoons. Fuck that. She loves them. Does she? She, Yeah. What is it about them that she loves? She just thinks they're cute. She likes their little mask, I guess. Okay. They're little cat burglars with hands. Hell no. no. Are they little there? Trash there's, pandas. There's big trash pandas. There are big ones here. Like, no joke, a couple years ago, I was oh, yeah. visiting a family member in the hospital in Long Beach, middle of Long Beach, and there is this massive raccoon walking across the lawn in the middle of the night. I pass scary. out. I mean, they're trash pandas. <laughs> they they no longer need the wild. They just go through people's trash. Yes, that's so true. So I need to. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Real quick story about raccoons yeah. before we move on. We stayed at yeah. uh, Montaña de Oro outside of Slow one time. Oh. Uh, my wife and I were we were on tour, but we took a couple of days off and went out there. And we were camping, and we camped under a tree. And I realized why that camping spot was vacant when we were trying to sleep because there were probably 30 raccoons mating in this tree. All night. 
all night long. So loud. How how did you know they were mating, Ted? Because I shined a flashlight on them, and that's exactly what they were doing. And then the That's baby awesome. ones were all trying to tear up my my uh, my hammock over on the other side of the campsite. Oh well, they got to do something. My mom and dad are fucking <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> they got in some mischief. Oh. oh my gosh! Well, I was just going to point out that our producer Anna, who is a wealth of musical information, did discover that there's a band called Sexual Atrocities that has a song called "Feed Us." fetus fajitas <laughs> wow so okay. i feel like that it's a good thing you guys didn't go with fetus fajitas because it would have seemed like band knows about that website <laughs> Maybe. but it's also for the record it's not even a good song so i feel like it was wasted <laughs> <laughs> oh 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 no, oh it's not. thorough it could be a good song how could how could it how could it not be a fucking masterpiece sounds like sounds like it's got lennon and mccartney all over it <laughs> Jesus Christ. There's no way that was ever that song. Yeah, there's no way that was ever gonna be a winner. Um so you have Ted Bound Productions where you do production mixing and engineering. Tell us a little bit about right. that. Uh so like I said earlier in the interview, I went to Savannah College of Art and Design for sound design and I wanted to I, I i think that was more geared towards sound for film and television um mm-hmm. but our professors would allow us to record music a lot more than the other stuff so uh after college i think my my goal was to start using what i learned in school and recording my band and recording other bands i actually didn't start recording other bands until 2011 so there was a five-year period after college where we were just touring all the time, and I was only focusing on recording pacifier music. But uh, my first band that I produced, a band called Domino Effect from Savannah, they're like a reggae jam band kind of thing. And the album is on Spotify. You can check it out. It's called uh, Music Is My Religion, I think. Or nice. Yeah, I, I forget the name of the album, but that, that's one of the songs in the album. Um and that was my first real foray into producing other bands. And then uh, when I moved to St. Pete, I actually, I uh, literally, I, I uh, specifically sought out a house that had a detached two-car garage that I could turn into a studio. And I did that for about three years. I built a studio down there and I had a lot of bands come through there. I produced the Reese Brothers' first album, uh, their nice. first full-length album. And uh, I did a couple songs for Of Good Nature, some stuff for mm. um, Tunnel Vision. Um, mm-hmm. the, I, I had, had a lot of great people coming through. St. Pete is a spot where like a lot of bands come through because they love Janice and Reggae Rise Up and all that. So mm. I had a lot more opportunity to record bands in St. Pete because they were coming through regularly. And that's really where I sort of like, you know, cut my teeth on the whole production thing. And now when we moved up here to Maryland, I I said to my wife, she was my fiance at the time, I said, I want to move home, but I don't want to, you know, I don't want to live in a neighborhood. I want to live way out in the middle of nowhere. I want to have a house where we can set up a studio and we can play music until three o'clock in the morning if we want to. And, you know, of course, you you tell your fiance or wife something like that. And like, you want to play music till three in the morning. (laughs) Yeah. She had to know what she was doing. As a musician, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, she does. Um, 
And so we, we found this spot and, um, immediately I got set up and I recorded, uh, an album with a band called never ending fall. That was my first, uh, band to come through here. Uh, but then I've had in the last two years, three years that we've been here, uh, Bally, who's done a writing session out here, mm. um, bump and uglies have, have done a drums and bass recording session nice. out here. Uh, of good nature has done another recording session here. Um, and I've been working on this HR album, uh, a local band called Honey Shine. They're a blues band. They just recorded here. Uh, another local band called uh, Eastern Electric recorded here. And then a friend I grew up with, Joe Esham, we put out an EP that we recorded here um, not too long ago. You might know Eric Swanson. He's uh, Slightly Stupid's tour manager. He was oh, Soja's nice. tour manager for a while. He put out an album that I, I produced. We kind of did it remotely, but I produced all, a lot of the music stuff here at the wow. studio. So we put that out this past year. Uh, Revolution's tour chef, Jack Fivecoat, has a band called Snacks and Five from Michigan. And they came through here last year wow. and recorded. So this year has been filled, this, this past couple of years have been filled with bands coming through and just giving me the opportunity to work on my production skills and mixing skills. And it's, it's been a blessing. That's awesome. Very cool. You've worked with some great people. So far, yeah. And I, and I hope to work with even greater people in the future. But everyone I've worked with has been super awesome. I don't I can't remember a bad time I've had in the studio. That's awesome. So what's coming up for Pacifier? What can we look forward to? Shows, releases? A lot. All of the above. Yay. We we are actually playing some shows this weekend we're playing in essex maryland and solomon's island maryland and then we're doing tropodelics festival in uh newark uh, ohio called Everwild fest yes and i think ballyhoo is headlining the night before uh -huh. us and then we're he headlining in quotes because tropodelic closes out the night but we're sure. the second last band and ballyhoo is that position the night before and there's nice. a bunch of other great bands on the bill i'm excited to see all these people that we haven't seen in over a year and uh, then we have we have a tour uh, coming up in September. We start the tour September 18th, uh, and that starts in Virginia Beach, and we're going around the East Coast on that one. And then we haven't announced it yet, but we have a second leg in November that will be announced soon. Uh, and we've already started planning for 2022. Um, and then the, the other news for Pacifier is that we have been working on an album for the last year <gasps> and we did put out three singles in, in anticipation for a new album, but the mm -hmm. pandemic set us back a little bit. Uh, but we did get time to record and finish up the album. And I'm happy to announce that it is done mastering. It is, it is mastered. So wow. we have a new album in our hands. We have the artwork for the new album in our hands and we're going to start the promotion machine up pretty soon so you will be seeing a lot of stuff about our new album and uh and our new tour in our social media posts in the upcoming months very exciting so you mentioned earlier that that when we met i told you that my oldest son had a pacifier sticker on his car and i'm not sure if i told yes. you at the time but he had no other stickers like no sublime stickers <laughs> nothing right. no i think that's Just why it stuck with me because you told me that <laughs> Yeah, just and a pacifier sticker. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I genuinely mean it when I say that we are a household that loves the music that you guys create, and I'm really excited to hear what you guys have coming up. Kelly, I seriously think I, I 
I kind of shed a tear that night. I'm not kidding. I'm not trying to be sappy. Like I went back to the van and I told everybody. And I think while I was telling everybody, I kind of teared up because I was like, my, I, you know, I got that like really excited, emotional feeling. And I just, uh, and I'm, I, I guess I'm kind of an emotional guy. Sometimes I, I can express my emotions, but I don't, I don't cry to my bandmates very often, but like, these were tears of joy. Like, Oh my God, the validation mm. is real. Like, this is somebody who literally grew up in a bedroom next to the person that <laughs> for better started or worse, it all yes. <laughs> for better or worse, I'm sure there were there were times where you wish he didn't he wasn't in that there bedroom. Were much next worse, to you, but, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it it uh it really just it like you said earlier, it came full circle for me at that moment and I could care less about the show we were playing or the tour we were on at that moment. I just felt like we were we were doing the right thing. And, and I do remember you telling me it was the only sticker he had on his <laughs> car, not even a sublime sticker. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, that's, that's crazy. That's just, it's amazing. Well, thank you again for being on the show. It's been huge for me. My kids are outside my room waiting to hear how everything went. And uh, <laughs> Tell them just, I said hello. I will. I absolutely will. And I, I, I hate when people are, when an artist posts, hey, we're going on tour and everyone's like, are you coming here? Are you coming here? Like, pipe down, yeah. but I'm going to do it. I'm going to ask, when do you guys come to California? <laughs> of course, of course. We're 2022, we're going to hit all the other places that we're not doing. We're, we're trying to hit everything that we can over here on the East Coast that's like sure. obtainable easily. And then we're putting together plans to go out West, kind of coupled with, you know, trying to hit certain festival dates and all that and making all that work. But Yes, we will be on the West Coast in 2022. We'll be in Texas. We'll be in the Northwest. Um, we'll be in the Midwest probably later this year. I, we haven't announced it yet, but we'll be in the Midwest later this year. And we'll be in the West Coast definitely early to mid-2022. I can assure you of that. Awesome. Well, I will be there to see you guys, and I'm looking forward to it. Thank you again. We really appreciate you being on the show, Ted. I'm honored. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you, man. Well, Kelly, that was, again, another awesome chat. Ted was so much fun to chat with, and I'm a, I'm a Pacifier fan. I know you're a big Pacifier fan, so it, it was really cool to have him on and be able to have this chat. It was. He was delightful. I could have talked with him for hours. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, like I said, it was uh, it was just neat for me every once in a while. Well, let's be real. Almost every week we get to have somebody on that uh, <laughs> I'm a fan of. So I get to kind of fanboy out a, a little bit. Um, so it's uh, it's kind of neat for me. And uh, and those guys at Pacifier are uh, are staying busy. They are. In fact, they're out on tour the whole month of November. Um, places like Ohio, Illinois, Indiana, so I, what would that be like Midwest, all up, up and down the East Coast? Uh, so if you're over in that side of the country, make sure you check them out. Go check out pacifiertheband.com. You can find out their whole tour dates. And also they have a great new album that just came out a month ago called Strata. So if you haven't heard that, make sure you check that out. It's on Spotify and YouTube and on all their socials. Uh, great album. I'm just, I'm loving their new stuff. Yeah, guys. So make sure you check out Pacifier. And uh, it was awesome having Ted on. Hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed actually getting to do it. Now, Kelly, I, I didn't even tell you about this. This kind of just came to me. Uh, so I'm going to go on a quick little tangent here real quick. So just bear with me. Okay. Um, 
I got a message from a, a friend of mine, um, someone that I knew as a child, but we've always stayed connected through social media. And uh, I'm not going to mention his name, but he sent me a message and he said, hey, just want to let you know, I've kind of been binging the Bradley's House podcast and uh, really digging what you guys are doing. I think it's awesome. I'm, you know, 16 years recovered from uh, heroin and cocaine, which I was using pretty bad uh, for eight years. I actually wow. used and uh, I ended up going to jail and, you know, the, the typical story that wow. we hear a lot. Yeah. And he said, you know, 16 years recovered. And I said, dude, that's awesome. So, I said, I want you to check out uh, our Facebook group. We have a Bradley's house group mm. on there. And, um, you know, it's just a lot of people that share love and inspiration. And uh, it's just an awesome group. And he said, yeah, I actually saw it. I heard you guys talk about it on the podcast, but I didn't want to join. And I said, uh, you know, why not? And he said, man, I'm not really like, I guess, you know, sober. Mm. I I'll have a couple beers here and there. And I just feel, and I said, dude, the point of what's being done, not just with the Noel Family Foundation, but everybody who's fighting this war is recovery. Right. It's not it's not stone cold, straight up sobriety. Now, we've had guests on this podcast like Todd Zalkins, like Ken Denson, like Kyle Smith. And for them, their recovery included stone cold sobriety. Absolutely. Nothing. Yeah. Just completely We've had Stacey D and Soma Snake Oil, who came on, had a great episode. Mm -hmm. And they said that in their recovery, uh, they still use cannabis, mm -hmm. but they're still recovered from that, that demon. They're recovered from that thing yes. that was preventing them from living their best life. Right. Um, and that is the point. So if you have a good heart, you're in a good place join the Bradley's house group. We're not there to judge what your recovery is. Right. And I think okay. from this podcast, we've learned that everybody's recovery is so much different. And the goal is to be recovered from whatever that, that thing is that's stopping you from living your best life. Right. So there's no judgment in there. Um, and there's no qualifications to be a member. So absolutely. And um, it's not just for people in recovery. It's, it's for anybody. It's just a safe place where people who are in recovery can talk about it and can share about it. But there's also a lot of people who maybe have lost a loved one or know somebody who struggles or just like being around the positivity and support, you know, everything that's happening through the Noel Family Foundation. So not just for people in recovery. No, yeah, absolutely. There's people that, you know, share stories of mental health issues mm -hmm. or that they've gotten better because they've tried this. Or sometimes people will just share like, uh, hey, I'm having a good day or I'm having a bad day. And then people can interact with them. And it's so I, I just wanted to, to share that because if anybody's been hesitant because they think that that is a group that is preaching stone cold sobriety on everybody, they're nobody's preaching anything first of all Absolutely. and 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 it's about recovery and that is what's most important and i think that we've learned through the episodes here that it, again like i said everyone's recovery everyone's road is a little bit different and there's nobody that's there to judge so if you're not in that bradley's house group on facebook yet and you're in facebook and your heart's in the right place and you want to be around just a group of really awesome positive people get in there go ahead and click the join button um and uh, the reason that group exists is the same reason that this podcast exists it's so we can share love 
and positive vibes. And of course, spread awareness for the Knoll Family Foundation. Um, guys, the knollfamilyfoundation.org is where you can visit. Uh, you can make donations through there. You can check out the merch. You can read more about the mission. Get involved. There's a ton of ways that you can help. Uh, and I know that it goes so far. And for the people that think like, oh, yeah, you know, the Bradley's house group and you leave comments. Kelly sees every single one of these comments. I watched it happen firsthand in Las Vegas. People were walking up and Kelly was like, oh my God, you're so-and-so from Facebook. She knows. She's watching, I can assure you. And uh, the positivity and the and the shares and the likes and the help, it goes a long way, doesn't it? Yeah, Kelly? it sure does. And you know, honestly, I I get in there as often as I can. You know, for the past week, I've I don't even think I've been on Facebook for the past week because my oldest son just got married. Congratulations, Trevor and Leah. But under normal circumstances, when I'm not consumed with wedding things, I do um, try to get in there every day. And it's just a great group of people. So I strongly encourage anybody who hasn't checked it out yet to go join the Bradley's House Facebook group. Yeah, absolutely, guys. And uh, check out the org. You can check us out on YouTube as well. We've got the Bradley's House YouTube page. You can find the archives from every single one of our episodes, whether you're interested in hearing, uh, you know, really cool musical episodes. You know, we had Marshall and Miles from Slightly Stupid. If you guys are looking for those super inspirational, really amazing story uh, with recovery, like I said, Ken Denson, Kyle Smith, Todd Zalkins, there's been so many. Every episode has added a little something. And of course... Tons of great guests from the compilation album, The House That Bradley Built, uh, from our friends at Law Records. You guys can visit law-records.com. You can pick up a copy of The House That Bradley Built. You can check out all the other amazing artists uh, from Law Records. And uh, that stuff all goes a long way, guys. When you uh, support the people that support the foundation, you know it all goes a long way. Same goes for our amazing sponsors, um, Savage CBD. We yes. can't thank them enough for their support. Um, you can visit their website. Um, Anna's going to go ahead and link it. It's going to be right there, right below you in the description. And uh, you can go ahead and click on that. And when you find a product or products that you think are going to be perfect for you, go ahead and use code BRAD30, B-R-A-D-3-0, BRAD30. That lets them know that you found them because of this podcast. And that'll go ahead and save you 30% off. So, so generous. Uh, Really generous yeah, it's, people at Savage and great products. Yeah, we, yeah, they saved us in Vegas. We they already did. talked about it. So, yes. um, again, guys, it, it means a lot to support our sponsors, um, and uh, and it goes a long way for everyone here. So we can't thank you enough um, for the support. Now, Kelly, we always end with a uh, with an awesome song. And again, I had mentioned the House That Bradley Built compilation. You can find that at law-records.com. You can find this song and many others on Law's YouTube page. We also went ahead and linked them all on our YouTube page. Um, what's everybody going to hear today, Kelly? They're going to hear Pacifier's awesome cover of Greatest Hits. Guys, hope you enjoy it. Until next time, I'm Jared Orr. She's Kelly Noel. We are out of time. You don't have to go home, but you got to get out of Bradley's house. Woke in the morning, it's hard to live. Hard to live, yes, it's hard to live. But it'll be a long time before shit starts to give. Let 
time that I watch TV Drunk by noon, but that's okay I'll be president someday Light my cigarette and I need that bird juice Ain't gonna make me drink Roll the bar and I pump that shit Got my greatest hits Shit. 